Previously, on Realms of Nerds, The Return of Ornon. The events that forever changed Mikhail's destiny occurred during the night of the Festival of Lights. A certain tiefling fire wizard, carrying the name Maliaculus, brutally dismembers and disembowels Mikhail's mother, father, and young sister. I would like to uh, talk to Ansel and discuss with something that I have called the Odysseus Longbow. It would have to require a strength check to draw, but do additional damage. Ansel says, I think I can do it, but it's going to take some time. You hear a large, fiery explosion from somewhere off in the distance, and then you hear the clang of armor as guards start to get on all their gear and grab their weapons and things of that nature, and they rush for the front gate. A force of, you can't quite tell what it is, they look like maybe goblins or something like that are coming. However, the biggest and most eye-drawing feature of this group is Maliaculus, and he is seated atop a dragon. going to jump back to a couple of days before the uh, encounter that we left you with at the end of our last session. So, uh, you've been, at this point, you know, a couple of days before, you've still been here. Uh, this is, we'll say this is a few days after your lessons with your various masters kind of ended. So you've been here for like over a little over a week. Yeah, about. And uh, we're going to get in and do a little bit of weapon work here, Oh, fuck I guess. yeah. We're going to start with Bronson's special order bow. So, I don't know if you uh, if you had any anything in mind, but if you didn't have a name in, in mind, I was thinking we could call this the strong bow. I was trying <laughs> to think so. of the, the one that, I know this might sound narcissistic, but I think it kind of fits with it. The, the, the bow that um, Odysseus has to straighten. Oh, hell yeah. He returns from his journey. Does that one have a name? I don't it, remember. It didn't have a name. It was just a it was just fucking a, bow. It was just Odysseus. Why not just call it the Odysseus? I mean, you, call, you could call it the Odysseus bow if you want to. Or just, I, I, like, love I to. like just okay. the Odysseus. Uh, yeah, I think the Odysseus is more... Or just Odysseus if you want to go with the convention no, you have to have actually the, naming. Can I have the... The Odysseus. Not really. It, had, it has some je ne sais quoi to it. Yeah, man, it has some of that je ne sais quoi. You know, Excalibur... Oathkeeper, um, Heart Eater, Heart Eater, Widow's Well, Needle, <laughs> Sting. <laughs> yeah. The Orcrust. Great swords have names. Oh, see, there's a the. But it's not a sword. Here's what I was thinking. So you, you have two attack rolls, correct? Because you have multi-attack, right? Yeah, if I have two, ar- two weapons. 
Right, yeah, so that's what I was... Because it's not, like, you because you can attack with two separate weapons, correct? I was just making sure that I wasn't uh, yeah misconstruing that. Okay, so here's what I've got for the idea for this bow. So, a normal longbow is a 1d8. So I'm thinking for nor- for when you're normally using this, we're going to have you do a strength check of 12 to use it. And we'll just do, I guess we'll just do that before you even try to roll your attack. For damage, you'll do 1d8 plus you roll an additional 1d6. Unless, um, if you want to use the entirety of your attack, so you, like, use your full... Instead of you doing a multi-attack, you use both of your attacks. You can, like, do, like, a focus, basically, and you can add... Like a concentration? Sure, like a concentration. So then the bow will be double damage on top of the d6. So it'll be two d8s and a d6. But that eliminates... If you're doing that, your move, your turn, you cannot do any movement or any other action. It's like I... Plant the bow in the ground. Right. Draw the bow. Have you sight it and then So basically your entire turn is just drawing and firing the bow. You cannot do anything um, else with it. Have you guys played Dark Souls before? No. Do you remember the Dragon Slayer Great Bow? I don't hate myself, so I don't yeah. Do you remember the Dragon Slayer oh Great Bow? I know what you're talking about. Plants it in the ground, that's what I imagine with this thing. So like I can't I can't do any even bonus actions on this. I can't cast a spell. No, anything. yes. So this okay. is So if I wanted if and I know I'm throwing this out there for way extra damage, but in the event that I actually wanted to cast Hunter's Mark, I would have to do that on the previous turn before yes. drawing the bow. Okay. And yes, and this would clarification. Yes, and then this would because it's a concentration, this would nullify the Hunter's Mark after that okay. if you chose to do this. So you could Essentially, do like one, one shot. giant shot, but then after that, you don't get the hunter. The hunter's mark would be canceled because of the concentration for the bow, and you can't do any movement bonus actions, etc. So, do you have? I think that cover. You have any other questions about that? Not really. It, the I can use regular arrows for it, correct? It doesn't require large spears as arrows or anything. With the arrows for this bow, because as I'm thinking about it, if it's going to be that. Big, it doesn't really make sense. It would fire normal arrows. You can buy arrows in shops, and you can make your own while you're on a long rest. But you can't. You cannot get them from other characters, so you can't scavenge them off the battlefield or like share with one of your party members or something like that. So if he scavenges, like let's say he scours and he finds like. Would that be like a similar to what Joan does a survival check? Yeah, and so then do a D four for that. Would you like the information on how to do that, Bronson, so you can write it down? Because I'm yes. guessing you're gonna have him do the same check. Yeah, we'll do it the same as what you do right, for yours. You're going to do a survival check. A roll of eleven to twenty is a success. One to ten is a failure, obviously. And it's a straight up and down. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's it's survival. not. It's a survival check. Or yeah, well, so, so yeah, you roll it plus your. So I guess that's not straight up and down then. Roll plus your survival. And then on a success, you roll 1d4 plus 2 for the number of the arrows that you get for the Odysseus. And um, I was actually going to bring this up with... One last question about the bow. If I do not beat the strength check for the bow, 
does that still cancel out my turn? Oh, that, I... that is a good thing to bring up. Yeah. So if you don't make the strength check, your movement speed is halved, but you can still do other, you can do other attacks. Or if you wanted to pull out a normal bow or, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're going to carry two like bows a, or what you're going to do. Not doing it today. <laughs> All right. So that's why we're doing the, the strength check up front is because yeah. if you can't draw it, you still have a chance to make an attack. So it is not like necessarily an all or nothing, but um, yeah. If you don't, if you don't make the strength check, you just can't draw it, and nothing happens. So this is a, a few days after you finished your training with the various masters. You go down to the armory and meet uh, the guy. We'll call him. Uh, we'll say Joe. Joe. Good old Joe. So you meet meet Joe, and he is the uh, the guy that's in charge of the armory. So he does a little bit of everything. He does smithing as far as preparing is concerned. He doesn't create weapons. He actually is a dwarf. Looks to be, uh, as far as dwarves go, about middle-aged. He's got just, like, uh, some, like, fiery red hair. You know, a big beard, as is typical of most dwarves. And, um, he wears, uh, just some... Simple black uh, leather armor, and uh, so you uh, you see him as you uh, kind of come into the armory here. So for the record, uh, in his free time when he wasn't training or whatever the fuck, Joan has been kind of coming down to the armory because it's kind of cool. I mean, he's he smithed his own weapon, so he he likes checking out the different weapons. So he's kind of uh, gotten pretty close to old Joe. So, uh, that's why, uh, when Joan comes down, the first thing he says, Uncle Joe, how's it going? Uncle Joe? Yeah, I kind of, uh, adopted him to be like my uncle. Good There's old like Joe. There's like a five-foot difference between you two. But, hey. hey, Joan, how are ya? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? As good as I was three hours ago when you were down here. Oh, yeah. What can I do for y'all? Well, got anything new in? Probably not since the last no. three hours, but I figured it'd be a good thing to ask. Joe, no, we don't have anything more for you to look at. No guns or anything like that. Oh, all right. Um, you, uh, Elf, uh, Mikael. I? I believe I have something for you here. I am eagerly anticipating what it is you have for me. He goes down uh, one of the one of the aisles and returns a few moments later. And, uh, carrying a simple wooden box. It came all wrapped up in some uh, cloth, but I pulled it out and polished it up a good bit and put it in this box here. Uh, where does this box hearken from? Well, it came in with the last group. They, uh, they said that the fox was carrying it. Do I take it this box has arrived from Timber's Crest? I yes, well, what's inside of it anyway is the box I built. So he uh, hands you the box. Y'all seen Pulp Fiction? So this, know, is, this is the suitcase. What's yeah, in it's box? like the suitcase when he goes into the kitchen, kind of <laughs> yeah. cracks it open, and he just kind of stares mm-hmm. at its glimmering mm-hmm. beauty mm-hmm. in uh-huh. the box. As you open it up, you reveal to see this bow that's been crafted for you. So the wood is made out of uh, looks like a composite of several different types of timber from the forest. As you look at this, the way that this has been built, it is three different types of wood, 
that have actually been carved in a circular pattern and then fitted together so that they're all interlaced. And then sealing them together is thin lines of gold that are twirling and wrapping around holding the, the pieces of wood together. Is it also ruined? Um, it does not have any runes in it. However, um, yes, right along the middle there is a, a handle that is wrapped in some leather bound tightly onto the handle here. Above where the handle is, there is, again, in this same gleaming gold, uh, is etched into the wood the word Odysseus. And then down below the handle, there are three notched circular grooves that have kind of been etched into the woodwork. And this is a spot where you could put in some sort of a rune or work something like that into it. So it's kind of like the piece itself allows for the user to kind of grant it with his own blessing, more or less. Yes. Okay. So uh, after Miguel opens his uh, this case up, Sibo's going to walk over and also kind of get a little dazzled by the bow. Oh, Mikael. Oh, Ansel really did some good work on this one for you. That he did. Isn't it sweet? I saw it earlier when I was down here. Joe wouldn't let me touch it, but I got to see it. That thing's cool as hell. I eagerly await to test it on the battlefield. Oh, one one more thing that I forgot to mention. At the very top of the bow, there's sort of a, uh, kind of like the, sort of a metal um, cap on the end on either side for where you would string the, the bowstring. And on the top part of it, etched into there is a symbol of a hammer with an A on the hammer, which is the, uh, the mark of Ansel's work. Ah, I see an artist claims his handiwork. Interesting signature. Uh, so after you've taken a moment to admire the, the bow, Joe says, And now you, my lady, I've heard you've been looking for a particular weapon, have you? I sir, I was uh, I was actually uh, wondering if you were uh, open for a trade. Well, I, I I can definitely think about it. I I really I've been empowered to give you uh, what you're looking for. Michael said I should uh, I should hook you up, so to speak. Yeah, but I want to make sure that your armory is still taken care of, and I'm not going to be able to carry around two heavy weapons. I don't want to. Well, at least. well, well, by all means, I'm happy to add it to the inventory. Or you, you're welcome to uh, keep it in your locker here if you want to just save it for next time. You know what? That's that's probably a good idea too. Well, well, I'll uh, I'll do that. Yeah, just do it. The lockers are fucking huge. <laughs> <laughs> so she walks over and stores it in the locker that uh, okay Michael showed her earlier. In my first apartment. <laughs> when Jonah's down here, when Jonah's down here earlier, he definitely went around and labeled all the lockers. They're all like the same size, but like he just wanted to give everybody like nice little labels. So, okay, you know, you've got you know Joan and Ramash and Brunhilda, whatever, and Sheldon. dumb little dude and dumb big dude. Now, <laughs> why would he label his own locker dumb big dude? Oh, he didn't. He labeled his Joan. But on on his, he wrote Joan, and he drew a little. Like a cute little picture of a uh, a tape measure that goes up to like thirty feet, because you know he wants to leave himself some room just and, in case. And a little cowboy on there with two guns going. 
pew pew. He's only got one gun though. Mountain cowboy. It's not a regular cowboy. (laughs) Underneath, there's another label in quotations: the law. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So anyway, but hold on a moment. I think I've got just the thing for you. I bet you he's getting you a dagger. So he again goes back down into his stacks, and uh, he's gone a little bit while longer. And you hear some rummaging, and uh, from off in the distance, you hear. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, Uncle he, Joe, you all right over there? I, I, I'm fine, my boy. I'm fine. All right, I'm worried about your well-being. Uh, well, that's uh, very, ni- very nice of you. He comes back carrying a large warhammer. Is that the thing you were looking for? <laughs> By Morden's beard. <laughs> no, I think she wanted a dagger. <laughs> so this hammer has a long forged steel handle to it with a black grip on the end. Uh, And then the hammer itself is forged out of some sort of, like, kind of an alloy material or something. It's completely black, except for on either side of the, we'll call it the business ends of it, it's got these steel spikes that protrude out from either end she grabs it from joe and she examines the handiwork of it she looks at it for flaws she looks at she looks at the weapon like a blacksmith would look at a weapon just how beautiful it is uh how functional it is and she looks at him and she says are are you sure you don't need anything from me this is this is holy cow this is uh this is an amazing piece of weaponry. No, no, I. Michael told me that you were going to be helping us out, and so he said that uh, I should uh, help you get outfitted with the best gear. So, there, th- this is for you. Uh, she takes it, and uh, she gives him a nod, and uh, she backs up sheepishly and keeps looking at it. Because of the spikes on there, you get a uh, plus four on the damage. That's- <laughs> That is that a uh, stabbing damage or is that that's it's still a still still a bludgeoning still a bludgeoning so yeah so it's a heavy hitter so what's Joan getting like chain fed ammo <laughs> damn every time we talk about his revolver I just Automatic. think of Dark Tower when he <laughs> rolls along his belt man not not everybody gets new weapons no, every Jack. time. <laughs> Not everybody gets new weapons every time we do something. Gotta have a little bit of flexibility here. However, it is funny that you brought up Joan, though, after uh, presenting the the hammer to Brunhilde. He says, Actually, there is one thing I believe you could do me to repay the the debt that you feel. Of course. I'd be needing a little bit of your expertise Joan's been hounding me for days now, and I, I think I've got an idea to help him out a little bit, if you can lend me your skills as a smith. You of know course. I'm a smith too, right, Joe? Oh, Come on, Uncle Joe. I've been telling you that for the past three days. I understand, my boy, I understand, but there's something about dwarven work that just can't be matched by a human. I'm not... I'm a half-elf. Even worse. Even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Joan turns away. And... Well then, Brunhilde, will you will you give me your aid? Of course, sir. 
Uh, John, I'll, uh, I'll be needing to see your revolver there. Only if I can help. Uh, no, this is actually going to be a, uh, a closed session of smithing. He sadly, sadly, slowly gives him his gun and weeps a little. Okay, he, uh, yeah, he takes it from you and, uh... Puts a silencer on it. He, uh, <laughs> he, he examines it, hands it to Brunhilde, and as they're walking away, you hear him say something about, uh, you know, like, barrel length, and Brunhilde responds with something about chamber diameter, and they're, they're really getting into the, the nitty-gritty of this here. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, they walk away, and you actually don't see either of them for, like, a full day. They're just gone. None of you know where they are. Jones spends that day in his room weeping. I'll bet he does. At least he can get drunk now, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and getting drunk. Yeah, okay, there you go. Um, Dracaris joins him. Yeah, I bet he does. He sits there and watches him cry, chuckling. (laughs) (laughs) I can see Joan and Dracaris being really dangerous drinking buddies. (laughs) It's not fair what they did. Anyway. They took my gun and wouldn't let me help. I I understand. They took the glowing beetle off my head. <laughs> <laughs> they said the light went out a long time ago. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The light never goes out, my friend. The light never goes out. Too true. Let's, <laughs> let's roll back until we can count the letters on the bottom of the bottle. Sounds good. Never been able to read them, but you know. So anyways, uh, um... looking through the wrong end of the glass. Oh, <laughs> 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 shit. Oh, God. So after, like, literally it's been almost a full 24 hours, they return from wherever Joe's secret uh, smithing forge is. You're not really sure. And trust me, we know Joan tried to find it. Yep. <laughs> For a change... Mikhail is not going hunting. Instead, he sits admiring his bow, rubbing it with oil, and practicing stringing it. Okay. Yeah, you rub that bow. Joshimi, I swear to God, if oh, I he was find you by in his... my room, one more <laughs> Bahamut damn time, I will ask him to smite you. Can I get that in writing? And then he leaves again. <laughs> Side note, he goes and grabs a piece of charcoal and some parchment. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so they return and um they've got a shape that is uh kind of wrapped up in a cloth. Guys have been gone a long time. I've been standing here the entire time waiting for you to come Oh, see, Sibo, you you didn't take the hint that it was time to leave the armory? No, I mean, I've just been walking around. You have a lot of nice things in here. I've just been, you know, perusing. Sibo? Yes, Joe? Do I need to have the guards check your pockets? Yes. Joe, Joe, Joe. No, of course not. Yeah. And he he was actually going to reach into his pockets and... Like grab his pockets and turn them out, and a couple of loose gold pieces fall out. Hey, that belongs to me. Cross my heart. <sighs> Who has zone of truth? Anyone have zone of truth here? <laughs> Anyways, it was a lot of work, but uh, I think we've made a few improvements. 
And uh, Brunhilde definitely proved her worth. I've been watching you for a while. That's uh, I've been wanting to tinker with it, but I didn't know how to ask you without damaging your pride. You guys tone it down and try and not to do much today. Ha! Extra tall man has a headache. Oh. Well, I can always bring this back to you tomorrow if you'd like. What have you got? And he gets up and sees that they're holding something under a cloth. Is it my baby? Well, it's... yes. <laughs> he holds out his hand to receive the gun. Okay, so if he, it even is a gun anymore. Well, oh no. He he places he places this uh this cloth wrapped bundle in your hands. He delicately lifts the cloth off. All right, so this gun uh is a little bit different than it was when you handed it off before. The barrel on it is slightly longer now. And, uh, it's actually a little bit wider. Um, the chamber has been widened up a little bit so that the barrel is slightly thicker. So there's a little bit of work that's been done on the, the barrel, kind of, you know, a little bit of gold inlay, making it kind of along the top and the sides, making it, you know, just a little bit, uh, fancier. She looks gorgeous. But... That's not the most striking thing that you notice. The handle uh, is now made out of some sort of a black metal material and um, sort of imprinted on top of it. On either side are golden figures in the shape of toy soldiers. He cries. Not just <laughs> weeps, he cries. For a good long while. I'm... I'm I'm sorry, Joan. I I didn't mean to make you cry. Oh. I'm 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 sorry. I love it. Thank you. Are your bolts even gonna fit in that thing anymore? Oh, I'll make it work. Don't worry. So the uh, the update to this one has been when your rounds connect. Now they do uh, whatever magical damage you were gonna do, as well as the physical damage as well. The, the bullet damage will not apply to area of effect spells. It only applies to spells targeted at one specific person or creature, whatever the case may be. What, um, how about for magic missile? Because that's not area of effect, but it's split, and I can hit up to three different targets, I think. Or for, ma three. for magic missile, you can use that damage on one target. Okay. And I guess just to resolve as well, if it's a spell that you just cast, like, you know, because some of them are cast, some of them you have to roll for the attack. If it's a spell that you just cast and you don't have an attack roll, you have to do the attack roll for the bullet damage. So, yeah, Jonah got his pistol pimped out a little bit. Yep. And uh, it looks sweet. Yep. We all just had a Legend of Zelda moment. Da, 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 da. No, we did not fall. Yeah, not all. Five days later. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess Ramash is feeling like he's due for an upgrade because he's been not, not. Sorry, certain nature doesn't provide a lot of weapons. <laughs> Mother Nature throws him a, <laughs> Mother Mother him throws a rocket <laughs> Shut up! Now I'm picturing Groot growing the handle for the axe.
I'm just realizing that I totally missed, like, a giant, wide, wide, wide open joke to be able to engrave the law on the side of his revolver. <laughs> okay, so let's let's add that in <laughs> So, Joan pulls out his dagger. <laughs> Joan after getting, takes his dagger. And in, the, the law. and in the soft gold work that they took time to lay onto his revolver. Oh, no, he wouldn't do that. The edges. The law. He would. He would. It looks do like that. chicken scratch. Wait, too. wait. You oh, know what he would do? He though? is a smith. So hey, he... you know what he would do though? He would ask if he could add the law to it. He is a gentleman that way. He would ask permission before, and <laughs> that that's way better. Because also he's a smith. So she looks at. So if he... he looks at her and. Yeah. If, he, if you if you want to do that, let's just do that. Hey, uh, Uncle Joe Bernhilda. Yes, my boy. Yeah. Would, it, would it be okay if I added my own personal touch to my gun? I mean, you're going to be carrying it with you for uh, probably the rest of forever, so... I'm going to take that as a yes, and he's going to go to the forge and engrave in all capital, kind of that bank gothic font that kind of looks like Old Westy, the law on the side of the barrel Okay. on one side. So... She watches him do this, and then uh, she grabs the helmet off of her head, and she looks at it, and she walks over to him, and she dips her hammer in the fire, and she has him uh, hand her the hammer and the chisel, and she chisels out the emblem of Moradin on the hammer. Okay. So that's what, uh, what's been happening over the, the last few days of your stay. Now we jump back to the present again. To a scene of chaos, there is guards running around all over the place, and uh, this sort of invading force is coming in, and at their helm is Maliagolus seated upon a smaller uh, red dragon. What the fuck is that thing? <laughs> no, the thing on the dragon. Maliagolus. Oh, okay, that's the ugly son of a bitch you've been looking for. Is that the fellow we've been trying to kill? Oh, I think yeah. so. Only my entire life, past the age of ten years old, has been dedicated to the pursuit of this foul individual. Yeah, so this is, um... I mean, this is a, a full-on assault of the castle here. There is quite a few of these enemies that are actually, like, close to the gate at this point. They're assaulting. You got people from your side running out to attack. There's, I mean, you got so you got goblins, like, all over the place, but really kind of the central fixture in the middle is this large... I mean, I guess it's not large in terms of dragons, but still... A dragon, nonetheless. It's a large fixture in the center here. So, uh, what do you guys want to do about this? I want to fucking fight the dragon, dude. I want to fight the dragon. Let's roll initiative. <laughs> Mikhail strings his bow. Okay. Wait, how far away are they? Probably a few hundred feet or something like that. They're, uh... Hey, you've got a minute... Uh, until the dragon gets here, there he's about a. Is this a party of nine? Right now, uh, this is just the five of you. Okay. Uh, in this particular well, arena, we kind of need to get to a position where we can fight. Some of us don't have long range weapons. So at this point, the dragon is about a quarter mile out. 
and closing in on you. That is the only question I didn't ask about the great bow. Range. I think for range, we're going to stick with the same range as a longbow. Okay. That's 150 accurate and 600 inaccurate. We'll say the accurate range is doubled. Okay. So, uh, what's our plan of attack here, boys? Joan's going to fly in on a dragon. Yeah, right. Joan doesn't have a dragon. Ramash is going to join me, Kyle, climbing up the ramparts to get a good visual on this dragon. Joan is also going to be up on, like, somewhere up high on the walls or whatever. Mikhail kind of, as he moves, it's fairly distinct that he is only focused on his target. It's kind of like a pre-hunter's mark. So are you going on the ramparts with Ramash then? Okay. Brunhilde rushes in. To the fight on the ground? Okay. Yep. Yeah, Sibo's also going to stay on the ground. Like I said, Sibo's going to hide into just into the underbrush and the shadows and stay, uh, you know, scurrying across the battlefield, taking opportune strikes whenever he has the chance. All right, so the way that I understand this, we've got Mikael, Joan, and Ramash have all climbed up onto the ramparts. And then Brunhilda is just running in, and then Sibo is going to kind of hang back and sort of, like, pick his way forward, I guess. Like, kind of sneak around and take opportunity strikes. Yep. So, uh, let's start with uh, Brunhilda. As you've been charging forward, you are confronted by a trio of goblins who are barring your path here. Okay. Can I? I'm just. Do I have to roll like initiative? Yeah, you know what? This is D and D. Why don't we roll some initiative here? For who involved? Well, this is Brunhilda and the goblins. Fifteen. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you run into this trio of goblins. So first up is going to be one of the goblins here, and uh, he's going to come at you with his scimitar. 13 versus AC. Get that out of here. Okay. Get that out of here. He misses. Uh, next up is another one of the goblins. 15 versus AC. Get that out of here. Okay, he misses as well. Uh, Brunhilde, you are up next. Alright, I'm going to swing at the first one that tried to slash at me. Okay. That's a critical fail. Yes. That's not it, Chief. <laughs> Yeah, so you whiff as well. We've had three uh, three whiffs in a row here. Goblin number three is coming up at you. Uh, that's a 22. Holy, yeah, that'll get me. Okay. So he hits you for four points of damage as he slashes you with his scimitar. So we are going to now jump to Sibo. You are a good ways behind Brunhilda, but close enough, I think, that you, if you so choose, you could probably jump into this fight with her, or you can go a different direction. What are you doing here? I know that we're in, like, we're under this dome, this, like, rock dome. Yes. Is there still, like, vegetation and stuff? I guess I kind of, we do, it's like a forest area, right? Uh, no. So, all of the trees that are in here are, like, dead. Okay. There, so there are these sort of like preserved trees standing, and I mean, there's plenty of stumps of them as well. I mean, you have to understand there's been like basically constant warfare in here for thousands of years. So like, 
a lot of them have been knocked down, but there are still some standing. But there's definitely a lot of variety to the terrain. There's a lot of rocks, a lot of gullies. There's plenty of places for SIBO to hide and creep along. Especially because, and I, I didn't point this out before, which is was my bad, but the last time it didn't really come up in combat because you weren't being stealthy per se. So because of the low lighting in here, because there's no natural sunlight, the perk that you get from your cloak in the darkness yeah. works all the time in here as far as stealth goes. I assume that even these this dead tree is probably... Sturdy enough to support Sibo's weight, right? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like a like preserved sort of. All right, well, Sibo's going to um, seeing this fight off in the distance with Brunhilda, going to scurry up a tree real quick to get a good vantage point, and he's going to pull out his short bow. Okay, and you were in like a stealth before you climbed up in the tree, right? Correct. Okay, go ahead and do a stealth check for me, and we'll see how well you're able to hide yourself in the tree here. Nat 20 plus my bonus plus my stealth modifier, so I don't even know what it is. Okay. <laughs> we'll say you actually find a, uh, like a little hollow in the tree. 28. That you're, oh, okay, 20, yeah. So we'll say what happens here is as you climb up, you get about 15 feet up in this tree, and you find, like, a hollow space that's actually facing towards Brunhilda that you can hide yourself in. So, um... You are actually, for as long as you don't leave this spot, you will stay hidden unless another enemy gets within, we'll say, 30 feet of you, which at this point, they're outside of that, so. Okay, uh, and then Sibo's going to uh, take a shot at the goblin that Brunhilda just swung at. Okay. Um, and since it's a ranged attack and he's, or she's within close proximity to the enemy, I can add my d6 to my attack. Lands. Okay. 17. Yeah, that hits. Eight. Oh, yeah. And then another. So, that's going to be 13 damage. A bolt streaks through the air and uh, embeds into this goblin's throat, seemingly out of nowhere, and he drops to the ground. Uh, Brunhilde, you're actually a little bit surprised. You didn't know that this was coming either, and suddenly this guy that you just whiffed on that actually was about to take a big swing at you just dropped right at your feet. Yeah, she's just kind of speechless. She's like, holy fuck! Next, we're going to jump to uh, the men of the wall here. <laughs> what, what are you guys doing? Are you uh, readying yourself? Are you going after the goblins? What are you doing here? Is there anything within 120 feet or less of the wall? Yeah, there's a lot of goblins running around. Yeah, just, how tall is the wall? Solid. How tall is the wall? Um, Boy, we're about to do some geometry trigonometry here. <laughs> Boys and girls. Uh, we'll say we'll say the wall's about forty feet. We'll just run it more or less like normal since you're up in the air here. So I don't have to try and figure out the hypotenuse? No, we'll we'll avoid that. Okay. How far away is the dragon? He's getting closer, he's definitely still out of the range of all of you. Uh, yeah, y'all are sad, I don't care. Um I'm gonna take <laughs> I'm a... Okay, well, Joan's trying to decide what he's doing. 
What's uh, Mikael and Ramash doing? Mikael takes a glance at Maliakalus, and without losing his focus, he trains his eye on a more immediate threat. And instead of uh, pulling out his great bow, he marks the nearest goblin with Hunter's Mark and pulls out his longbow to make a shot with that. Okay, go ahead. That is a 15. Ooh, that's just going to hit. Yeah. All right. That is 11 damage. Yeah, he dead. You put a bolt through this goblin and he drops to the ground. How close are the closest goblins? Other than that dead one. Um, they're, at this point, they're kind of, like, about 20 feet from the bottom of the wall. Like, good, good. So I guess, let me let me describe this to you. You guys get a good vision of this just because you're up higher. The guards of the castle don't really have the numbers or really just the fighting style, if anything, to kind of, like, stand in a line and fight in that sort of traditional fighting style. They're spread out. There are, like, pockets of fighting all over the place. So, like, definitely you've got the the gate guards are staying there and guarding the gate. And you've got, like, different bands that are kind of going out into, like, different areas and fighting. But there is not, like, one cohesive line of defenders of the castle standing there doing battle. Is this more or less because of the terrain, as it were? Kind of like we're in kind of a hilly area. So other areas, it's easier to attack in other areas. Yes, yeah, for sure. A lot of it has to do with the terrain, which, again, just like the constant warfare has kind of put a lot of wear and tear on this terrain around the castle. Like I said, though, part of it also just has to do with training. I think at this point, it's kind of... Not only the terrain, but also because of the terrain, they've adapted more to fight in units as opposed to one cohesive whole. It's not like a free-for-all. They definitely know what they're doing, but they are not all concentrated in one spot. They're all over the place. So Jonah's going to cast Firebolt at uh, one of the goblins. Okay. That's a ten. Okay, yeah, that's not going to quite do it. Ramash is going to uh, ready himself behind the wall, but um, he does not have ranged attacks that can reach out far enough to hurt anyone without wasting higher level spell slots, so he's just going to sit put for now and wait for the dragon to get closer. Okay. Next uh, is going to be, we're going to go back to the fight on the ground, so first up is going to be one of the goblins who's going to take another swing at Brunhilde here. 18? Nope. Wow, Bernilda has my high AC. I'm going to take another swing and hopefully hit. Maybe she's uh, more used to her hammer now. An 18? Yup. Okie dokie. Oh, hell yeah, that's a 17. It said 17 damage. You hit this goblin so hard that you actually, like cleave like basically you hit him kind of like right right where the neck connects to the shoulder but you're coming down so you actually like separate his entire arm and part of his torso from the rest of his body just from like the force of this hammer coming down yeah and uh he is very dead so there's another goblin that's up now 
Uh, he's gonna try to swing at Brunhilde here. Uh, that's 23. Dude, what's this goblin on? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that hits too. Uh, that's five points of damage that you get hit for. Okay. Uh, and Sibo, you're gonna be up now. Alright, Sibo's gonna take a shot at this remaining goblin. Okay. Brunhilde's fighting. 24. Using That'll hit. Weapon. Bow. He gets obliterated by this shot here. Shots with the bows. Okay, so now at this point, this dragon has been steadily bearing down on you. Brunhilda, you are several hundred feet away from the wall at this point. uh, And the dragon is very close to you. And he's moving closer. What are you going to do here? I was thinking about casting Shield of Faith on myself. Okay. So, uh, a shimmering field appears around me and gives me two more AC, two uh, temporary AC. For how long? Concentration, duration, up to ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. It's a wonderful spell. So you cast that. Are you I've moving or are you... I've used Joan before. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back up towards the wall a little bit, because I have a feeling that uh, there's gonna be some fighting near the wall. Okay. And after Brunhilda backs up, how much distance is between her and Sibon now? She's actually standing uh, almost underneath the tree that you're in right now. But you are also, I should add, still fully uh, stealth, as long as you don't leave. No, Nobody knows you're there. Like, even Brunhilde, who was technically fighting with you, just saw the arrows kind of appear in her target. She doesn't know where they were coming from. Okay, so are you just staying there, or...? Uh, I think Sibo might, uh, like, drop a twig or something, let Brunhilda know where he's at. Okay. Since that's not gonna hurt him and it's gonna benefit her. Uh, Brunhilda, do a perception check for me. Fifteen. You see these twigs falling and you look up and you figure that somebody must be up there in the tree. But she doesn't see Sibo? No, she doesn't see you. So now, here it comes. The dragon, getting closer and closer to Brunhilda, has suddenly breached the magical bubble, I suppose, or the magic number. This dragon is now within 300 feet of the wall. Hell yeah. Good day, I'm Ken. And I'm Steve, and we're the hosts of the Nerd Cantina Show, where nerd culture and society intersect. Whether you come for entertainment news, or some space and science talk, we are here to keep you informed on weekly nerd topics and discuss how they affect us as a society. As well as having in-depth interviews in our Cantina Conversation and Fight Me Fridays. Just like any cantina, we want you to join in on the conversation. From our blog at thenerdcantina.com, our voicemail line, or our closed Facebook group at thenerdcantina.com forward slash community, where we really get to interact with our fans. So pull up a stool and get involved in our community hello all you lovely listeners rj here thanks so much for tuning in to episode 19 of realms and nerds the return of ornan a few things before we get into the second part of the episode uh i'm just gonna start with the really bad news first to get that out of the way so due to all the stuff going on over at youtube with the ftc and kappa we have voluntarily elected to delete all of our videos off of youtube at least until sometime next year or maybe forever it all depends on how that all shakes out 
Uh, I'm not going to get into much detail here because that'd take way too long. So instead, if you'd like to find out more about our reasonings for doing that, I'm going to write out an explanation and post it online, and I will put a link to that in the description for this episode. But anyways, enough about all the doom and gloom over on YouTube. Uh, let's move on to talk about some more fun stuff. So my buddy Sam, who I used to work with, and then his buddy Zach have started a podcast. It's called Side by Side. Uh, where they talk about the stuff that has gone on on the internet over the past week, such as, like, movies or TV, video games, pop culture in general, just, you know, the weekly stuff on the internet. Uh, they put out their first episode, and you can find it, as far as I know, on Anchor and on Spotify. If you'd like to follow them on Twitter, they are at side underscore bys underscore radio. Again, that's the Side-by-Side -side podcast available on Anchor and on Spotify. There are some glitches in the first episode, but it sounds really nice in general, and I enjoyed listening to it, and I definitely recommend checking it out. Speaking of podcasts, Ray, who is Brunhilde on this podcast, and myself have another podcast that is, unlike this show, family-friendly, where we talk about the country music industry. We talk about the history, the artists, all that fun stuff. Uh, as of right now, we only have one episode out where we just kind of introduce ourselves, but you can find that wherever you can find this podcast. Uh, so anyways, that again is Cedar Country, where we talk about country music and related genres of music. If you would like to follow us over on social media, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, uh, you can find us at Realms Nerds, R-E-A-L-M-S-N-E-R-D-S, -E no underscore, no hyphen. If you'd like to post about us on social media, it's hashtag Realms Nerds, same thing as our username, no underscore, no hyphen, no space. And speaking of talking about us on social media, it'd be really great if you could share the show as it helps grow our listener base. And also, right now we are trying to get 3,000 all-time listens by the end of this year, a kind of a goal that we set for ourselves. And we're actually really close. As of the time of me recording this, we are only about 200 listens away from reaching 3,000 total listens. And it's all thanks to you guys. So thank you all so much. Uh, if you want to share the show with a friend, let them know, like, hey, check out this D&D podcast. That would really help us. If you want to, I don't know, listen through the podcast yourself again, that also really helped, I bet. Uh, but anyways, so thank you all so much for your listenership so far. We greatly appreciate it. And, you know, this this week is Thanksgiving here in America. So it's a time to be thankful, and we're very thankful for all of you. And we are also thankful for our friend Kyle for composing the main theme for our podcast. Thank you so much, Kyle. It's a great theme. You're a great friend. And with that, it's time that we get back into The Return of Ornan, episode 19. What's up, nerds? This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast. I would like to invite you to check out our podcast. We have two shows every week, and both of our shows are about everything that is pop culture and nerdum. That's right. We talk about movies. We talk about comics. We talk about video games. We talk about role-playing games. We talk about Dungeons and & Dragons, and so much more. You can find us anywhere you get podcasts just by searching Three Fat Nerds. Also, while you're at it, go ahead and like our page on Facebook, Three Fat Nerds Podcast. 
Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 3FatNerdsPod. And of course, you can check out our website, 8122productions.com. Most importantly, I hope you enjoy the show. With that being said, there's only one thing left to say. That's later, nerds. Um, Jones gonna attack a goblin. <laughs> okay, Jones going after another goblin here. Same exact thing as gonna use uh, that fire spell. I can't remember offhand, and my iPad is off. So fire I can bolt. Fight. He's going to use fire bolt. Thank okay. That be a critical fail. <laughs> that be wild magic. That's a surge. wild magic surge. Oh boy! Yeah. All right, wild magic surge. For the next minute, all your spells with a casting time of one action have a casting time of one bonus action. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay, so I think uh, what happens here, Joan, you go to fire at this goblin, and as you do so, your something hiccups in your magic, and it just doesn't quite fire right, but you feel this surge of magic go through your hand, up your arm, into the core of your body, and you suddenly feel just like a, a burst of extra energy surge into you. Well, that tickled. Alright. Um, about Hunter's Mark, it says, you choose a creature you can see within range. What's the range yeah. of the spell? It doesn't... Oh, 90 feet. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Alright, so I can't mark the dragon with Hunter's Mark. Yet. But, but I am still going to, at this point, take out the great bow that has been strung and going to draw and make a attempt to fire at it. Okay. Specifically at Maliopolis, though. Okay. And I think, first, that requires the strength check. Uh, 14. Yeah, that does it. Hell yeah. And then he loses a fell dart. 15 against AC. Yeah, 15 is going to work for you here. Against Maliakos? Yeah. Okay. Well, that is not favorable. Alright, so what's what's the damage on this? That's uh three what was the uh damage plus on that? Was that just plus three Should or it be his dexterity? Yeah, it's plus dex. So seven. Okay. You ready this bow and you I mean you've prepared for this, you've had years of training as a warrior preparing for this moment for the one day that you would face Maliocolus face to face and be able to put an end to him. And you you draw this bow and it takes all of your strength and you load back, you concentrate in and get a perfect bead on your target. And just before you loose your arrow for a brief, the briefest of moments, you just feel something that you've suppressed for a long time. You feel a slight twinge of emotion as you think about your parents in the sight of Maliocles. 
and your arrow doesn't fly as true as you would have hoped. You still do some damage, but it goes just to the right of center and catches him in the shoulder, and it's such a heavy shot, it actually knocks him off of the dragon as he sort of tumbles down the back onto the ground. So Maliaculus stands up, looks down at this large bolt protruding from his shoulder, then looks up at the wall and fixes his gaze on you and does the last thing that you would have expected. He smiles. Mikhail becomes uncomfortable and tastes vile in his mouth as memories flood back through him. He feels unstable but fixed at the same time. He has the single goal of eliminating this threat, almost in a fury. So as this exchange happens across the battlefield, Maliaculus reaches down and grabbing this bolt, pulls it out of his shoulder and drops it to the ground and then raising a, a bloodied hand, waves at you and then turns and starts to walk away. So he is out of range at this point. Yes. Coward! And uh, you see him uh, walk back into the distance towards uh, whatever point the goblins seem to be coming from. He's walking back that way. And uh, as he's getting a little bit farther, obviously you're watching him, he gets uh, to the top of a ridge and turns again and uh, stretches out his hand and then beckons you to follow him and then again turns and walks over the ridge and you can't see him anymore. Let's go after him. Yeah, you're fucked. Easier said than done. We still have a dragon in front of us. You're on the ground. Yeah, buddy. you're way you're the fuck far away. away nice try. Mikhail uh, grabs the grappling hook out of his pack, affixes the rope to the base of it, and he repels down the wall. Where are you going? Mosh follows. Are you using Mikhail's rope then? Yes. Okay. Uh, both of you do an athletics check for me. 15. Yeah, you both made it down the wall. Uh, Brunhilda, you now have a dragon uh, five feet in front of your face. This guy has uh, advanced further after Maliaculus jumped off, and he is now right up on you. We're going to play some Skyrim, and I'm going to hit that dragon in the face with my Warhammer. That's a 22? Yeah, that hits. Yeah, that's 17 damage again. You just take a step and swing this hammer at this dragon and uh, catch him right underneath his left nostril. And uh, just, I mean, you you leave actually a little bit of a scrape on his uh, on his scales and he rears his head back a little bit and now he's looking angry. So uh, let's have everybody roll initiative here. Yeah. So Sebo needs to as well. Yeah, we're every everybody's rolling initiative here. I'm standing above the dragon. Well, you still got to roll your initiative, regardless of where you're staying. Uh, Mikael. Twenty-two. Sixteen. Ramash. Nine. Uh, Brunhilda. Fifteen. Sebo. Oh, I rolled eighteen. Okay. Top of the order here, uh, first up is Mikhail, 
However, you are still uh, a ways away here. Currently, the dragon is 250 feet from the wall, and you have just rappelled down the wall. How close are these goblins? I assume closer than the dragon. So there's kind of goblins everywhere. So the way I'm going to handle this, they're not part of the rigid structure of rolling initiative, etc., etc. They're just kind of going to jump in as they sort of get here. If you want to seek out a goblin to attack, you can. If you want to try and avoid them and push towards the dragon, you can. However you want to handle this. Well, Mikhail, instead of taking out his bow, he has grasped in one hand his light hammer, and in the other one he has his rapier. And as he charges forward at full speed, he crosses 30 feet and... In that distance from the base of the wall, does he encounter a goblin? Yeah, I mean, there. I mean, you can definitely come upon a goblin. They are milling about here, so I think you can. You come up on one. So then he's still focused on Maliocalus, who kind of beckoned him over the hill. And basically, it's anyone who crosses his path is more or less an obstacle, and he's looking for a way to either kill or clear them from his path. Sure. So then he is attacking this goblin that has crossed his path, I guess. Okay. Mm, that's a 13. Uh, that actually does not hit. And that's an 8. Yeah, those are not going to hit. Sibo, you're up. Sibo's going to, uh, this dragon's like right below him. Yeah. So Sibo's going to pull out his daggers and just drop out of the tree on top of this dragon, like, landing Hell right on its back yeah. and aiming straight for the neck and other important organs. Like okay. hobbits on a cave troll. Go ahead and make an attack roll. Dagger number one is going to be uh, 19. That does hit. The second dagger is going to be 22. Those are both going to hit. All right, and then um, since Brunhilda is still there, I'm able to do a extra attack, correct? Yes. All right. Dagger number one is going to be four damage. Okay. Dagger number two is going to be five damage. Okay. Four plus five is nine, plus three is twelve damage. So you do twelve damage total? Yep. And then Sibo is going to take his bonus action to, uh, like, flip off this dragon and take his disengage action so that he's not okay. chilling on top of the dragon. If you want to get off the dragon, you're going to need to do an acrobatics check for that. Okay. 25. Yeah, so I think you uh, you jump down, you stab this dragon with both your daggers uh, in his neck, and then I think you actually withdraw your daggers and uh, go back to some of your uh, your circus performer training that you've had uh, performing in the White Timber Forest for a few coins, and you actually just kind of do sort of a tuck and roll, and actually somersault down the back of the dragon, uh, off of his tail, kind of just rolling off, and then, uh, behind a rock, hiding here. Am I still hidden? Yes. Alright, so I am in stealth. Yes, you, you were able to disengage, so you are, you have successfully disengaged, and you are now hiding behind a rock behind the dragon. Damn. So next up is actually the dragon... And Brunhilda's the only one in front of him. Oh, fun. I'm sorry, Brunhilda. <laughs> because, um... 
So first, he's going to uh, reach down and try to bite you. Uh, that's a 17. Nope. Okay. And then he's going to swipe with uh, one of his claws. Actually, before he does that, I would like to use Repose on him. When a creature misses you with a melee attack, expend a superiority dice, make a melee attack. Okay. So I'm going to take a swing at him. That's a nine? Yeah, that's not going to do it, Chief. Okay, well, I expend a superiority dice for nothing. Okay. Okay. We're good. Well, okay, so then he's going to go at you with a claw here, then. That was a nat 20, uh, so plus his modifier, that's a 30, which I know hits. Hello, darkness, my friend. <laughs> so, this claw, as you try to repose his bite, uh, leaves your flank open. He swings his left claw forward and catches you in the side, digging his claws into, like, through your armor into your side, and you take 36 points of damage. You said 36 damage? Correct. <laughs> Say a fourteen. Okay, and actually, and then after that, he uh, has another. He's gonna swing with his other claw now, and that is a sixteen against H. Nah, it's not gonna do it. I'm sorry, not HP against AC. I'm gonna try <laughs> to do another repose. Okay, then. that's an eighteen. Ooh, that is just gonna hit. Sweet. All right, so so that's gonna be an eighteen. Even though you are greatly hurt by this first swipe he takes at you, uh, when his second attack uh, misses, you are able to just kind of swing your hammer around and catch him right on the elbow of his front uh, leg there and uh, do some damage. Break one of the bones or something in there. Uh, Joan is up. So Joan is going to go down the rope and... Yeah. Do it, Joan. That is a seven. Okay. Uh, Joan tries to go down the rope behind everybody else, and uh, he makes it about halfway down, and he falls. And uh, Good thing he's seven feet tall. <laughs> you're going to take two points of damage as you uh, twist your ankle when you hit the ground here. All right. How close are any goblins to him? Fairly close. Alright, he's going to take out his quarterstaff and take out a dagger, and then he's going to attack some goblins. Okay, go for it. Well, goblin, I assume. Yes, because I can't molt. Yeah. Quarterstaff first. Okay. 22 versus AC. That's going to do it. Alright, and then for the dagger, that is going to be a 20 versus AC. Yep. The quarterstaff does 8 damage, and... The dagger does three more damage. Alright, so with the first hit with the quarterstaff, Joan causes some uh, internal brain bleeding on this goblin, but just for good measure, he also gives him a good slit across the throat, just to finish him off. And, uh, this goblin is done. Brunhilde, you're up. I'm gonna take this opportunity to use, uh, cure wounds on myself. <laughs> okay, are you backing up, or are you- cause, I mean, this- Oh yeah, dude, I'm backing okay. up as far as I can go- so, okay, what's your movement speed? My movement speed is 25. Okay, so you're 25 feet away now. Yep, and I'm going to cast Cure Wounds. Okay. I get 8 damage back. Okie dokie. Ramash, you're up. 
Ramash is going to transform into Diarmash, and he's going to run his full 50 feet of movement, making a beeline for the dragon. And you were coming from the base of the wall, correct? Correct. Okay, so you're at 200 feet away now. Yep. And, um, and he's going to ready the dodge action in case a goblin tries to take a whack at him. Okay. Uh, Mikhail, we're up to the top of the order again here. Yeah, Mikhail is going to continue charging forward. Is there another goblin crossing his path? He's not, like, focused on a goblin. He's just striking anything that's in his path. Yeah, I mean, I think if, uh, I think since Mikhail's not making an effort to avoid goblins at this point, you could take it, you would run into another one. So, uh, following suit of the previous attack, he is attacking with both his rapier and light hammer. First attack is a nine. That's not gonna hit. Yeah, he's clearly not paying a whole lot of attention. And the next one is a 12. Also not going to hit. Sibo uh, is up. Sibo, again, coming from hiding, is going to try and come up behind the dragon and make an attack with his rapier. You know, right at the back of the dragon. Okay, just jumping up, trying to make a stab. I got you. Uh, would that be 23? That'll hit. So, seven damage. Okay. Go ahead and do an acrobatics check for me. That'll be 18. And are you going to try and disengage after this again, or are you Correct. just seven? Take okay. bonus action to disengage. Okay, that's what I thought. As you uh, you run up and you stab this dragon uh, in the back, he recoils in pain and whips his tail around, and you are just able to dive over the top of it and roll as you get out of the way here. Is Sibo able to successfully hide again? Yes. Okay, next up is the dragon. So he is actually going to jump off of the ground and take flight. Uh, and he's going to hop over Brunhilda past her towards the wall and towards the advancing enemies here. So he moves forward 80 feet uh, in the air. So the dragon is now 170 feet from the wall. So Joan is up next. Joan's going to move up closer to that fucker because now he's going to be within uh, spellcasting range. Okay, go ahead. So here's the question. So it said that for the next minute, all spells of the casting time, one action, have a casting time of a bonus action. Am I able to cast one as an action and then one as no, a bonus? No, you cannot cast two spells in the same turn. What the Fine. Well, you asked. I despite answered. what Mr. Rules said, I'm actually going to say yes. Rules. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna so say bad. I'm gonna say that this wild magic surge because it's a it's counting all of them as bonus actions. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that it allows you to cast a specifically because you're channeling everything through your gun. Mm-hmm. You can cast a spell as an action and then a second one as a bonus okay. action. So he's gonna lob two fucking chromatic orbs at this dude. Okay. So he's gonna cast one of them as a first level spell, one of them as a second level spell. Okay. They're both going to be cold damage. Uh, the first one is going to be 25 versus AC. That hits, yeah. And then the other one is going to be 21 versus AC. Uh, yeah, those are both going to hit. Alright, so that's going to be end up being a grand total of 78. Okay. When he hits, he hits. Yeah, he does. <laughs> 
That's going to end up being a grand total of 38 cold damage. You hit this dragon with these two chromatic orbs, and it is rocked. And it stays in the air, but it, like, recoils back, flapping its wings at you, and roars a little bit of fire coming out of its mouth as it just recoils from this giant hit. Take that, you overgrown lizard. Uh, Brunhilda is up. I guess I'm just kind of standing there looking at the dragon, because there's nothing I can freaking do. Yeah, oh, wow, he's shiny. So you're just going to stand there, then? Yep, I'm going to stand there and look pretty. Okay. Ramash is up. Ramash is going to move his 50 feet towards the dragon. He's actually going to transform back into Ramash as a bonus action. Okay. And as an action, I'm going to cast Moonbeam. And I'm going to center it right on top of the dragon. Okay. So yeah, right now, because it's first entering this cylinder, and on the beginning of its turn, it takes 2d10 radiant damage after making a constitution saving throw and failing. And half as much on a success, so. Roll a constitution saving throw. Okay. That's 21. Yep, that'll do it. So. He takes two damage. Okay. I fucking did something. Uh, Mikael, you are up. Mikael is going to continue charging forward. He notices the dragon at this point and has slightly altered his course, recognizing this as Maliopolis's more or less pet and um, still continues charging forward. He's got the dragon is how many feet again from the wall? He moved, He was 170 feet from the wall. So then there's 80 feet at the end of Mikhail crossing another 30 feet between him and this dragon. During that distance, does he encounter any other goblins? I assume the answer would be yes, considering they're basically milling about everywhere. Yeah, you uh, you run into another goblin, Harris, okay. you're running along. And again, he is not exactly engaged, but he is charging forward and anything that... To drive by slashing. Yes. That's a 21. Yep. Or 11 points of damage on the rapier. Okay. And the hammer is a 15. That also hits. For another 5 damage. Okay. So he, uh, as he runs by, his rapier actually lops the head clean off, and he just uses the hammer as a baseball bat to launch it into the ether, so to speak. Is it kind of like a spinning motion as he does this? Yeah, he kind of just spins around, cuts the head off with one motion, and then just launches it with the hammer with the second hit, and just... Continues charging Just continues running. Yeah. That'll do. Sibo, you're up. Now that this dragon has made a little bunny hop away... Sebo's going to use his short bow. Okay. Take a shot. And, um... Is anyone close to him? Uh, no, not right now. Okay. 18? Uh, yeah, that's just gonna hit here. That's gonna be for 8 damage. You launch an arrow and it catches this dragon, uh, kind of in the back because he's flying away from you and... He uh, feels it a little bit, but just kind of shrugs it off and keeps going. Uh, So next up is the dragon. The dragon is going to fly another 80 feet forward so that he's directly on top of Mikael. And then he opens up his maw and unleashes a torrent of fire down on top of Mikael. I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. Uh, It's a 17. 
Ooh, you are so lucky. <laughs> Let me tell you why. You don't even know. Well, not lucky, but luckier than you were going to be. His hair's a bit singed. Okay, so you are going to take uh, 27 points of fire damage as this hot, flaming breath just streams down on you. Clearly, Mikhail screams in pain as it feels like his armor is boiling his skin. And if you would have rolled one less on your dexterity save, you would have taken all of that. So, <laughs> lucky been, you. He would have been a crispy boy. <laughs> yes, he would have been a very crispy boy. He would have been hot. Uh, Joan, you, you are up. Been? I'm going to do the same thing as I did last time. Two chromatic orbs, however, I'm going to do them both as a first level spell. So I'm going to do both chromatic orb with cold damage. That is going to be 21. That hits. And that one is going to be a 9. Uh, yeah, that's a whiff. So then that is going to just be 3d8. 12 damage. Okay, next up is Brunhilda. Did she see me, Kyle, start running towards the hole where Meliocalypse... Well, he just got torched 135 feet away, so I have to assume you saw that. I guess she sees it and she goes, holy crap, where have I been? And she starts running towards where she saw Mikael get singed. As fast okay. as her little legs will carry. Okay, what, so what's your movements beyond that? That's 25, so I'm back to where I was first fighting so, the dragon. So you are now 110 feet away from the dragon. All right. Ramash, you are up. Uh, I'm going to use my, uh, unfortunately, my entire action to move my moonbeam back in the direction of the dragon, but it can only move 60 feet, so it's 20 feet away from the dragon right now. And that's all she wrote. Uh, Quick quick addition. So when I did that dex save, did I kind of switch from my hammer to my shield? So we'll say that when you dove out of the way, you uh, kind of reach back and grab your, your shield to, you know, keep a, some of the flames away from you as you rolled out of the way. So, all right, so you've got this dragon. He's uh, right above you right now. I am next up to attack. You are indeed. Okay. I am going to break my concentration and cast Thunderous Smite, and I am going to take a leap towards this dragon. Caution to the wind and make a stab. Okay. 17 versus AC. Yeah, that is not going to hit. So I think you actually jump into the air to try and uh, attack this dragon as he's floating above you. And you just, the tip of your sword just kind of scrapes along his, uh, his scales, but you don't quite take him down here. There's sparks, but it's because of the <laughs> contact between the blade and the scales, not because of the lightning hitting its mark. Yeah, and there's no, I mean, there's no real, like, emotional spark here either. It's just, the two of you are very different, come from different backgrounds, and just, it just we doesn't match work. On Tinder. It just doesn't work for the two of you. I, I don't know how to anyway. say it. Sibo uh, is up. Alright, well, Sibo's just gonna book it back towards the dragon going full movement speed, and I guess that's gonna be his full move. Okay. Uh, the dragon's up next. So the dragon's actually going to advance towards the wall again. Uh, he's going to move up, and uh, 
he's gonna wait till he is right over the top of Joan, and then he is gonna unleash his breath weapon again, his fire breath. Well, looks like Joan's gonna see what it's like to be one of those trees he set so on fire. Joan, how about a deck saving throw for me here, bud? Uh, that's 12. Well, bud, that's not great. So Joan takes 62 points of fire damage as this just torrent of flame engulfs him. Instead of a zero for my HP, I'm just putting a skull. <laughs> so, jo- yeah, so Joan is uh, crisped here, and he hits the ground. Joan, you're actually up next, so... That's a fail. Yeah, so even though you got just absolutely torched, you still get to roll a saving throw. Somehow he's a lot... Yay D&D rules, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's uh, some characters in Game of Thrones that wish that real life was like <laughs> D&D rules. Good God. Okay, Brunhilde, you are up next. I'm going to keep running towards the dragon, and uh, seeing as I saw Joan get hit like a gosh darn freight train, I'm going to try to get over there as fast as I can and stabilize him. Good luck. Okay. <laughs> May the fourth. Yeah, and what's your movement speed? Twenty-five. So could I do a dash? And actually, yeah, it doubles your movement speed. I forgot about that. I think I think you could probably dash here. Oh, if I could dash last turn, I'd I saw Joan go. <laughs> We're gonna see her legs go in super fast. <laughs> <laughs> She's got that Mr. Krabs walk speed going. <laughs> You'll never catch me, Krabs, especially when I. When I shift into maximum overdrive, dwarves are natural turbo. sprinters. Very dangerous at close short distances. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna sprint as fast as I can towards Joan and try to stabilize him, like I said. Okay, so you get that dash action and get the extra speed here. You all know that was strictly a John Reese Davies line, right? That wasn't in the book. Yeah. Uh, Ramash is up next. First, I'm going to use my action to move Moonbeam as close as I can, so I'll be five feet away from the dragon. Okay. And then I'm going to use my bonus action to cast Healing Word, which is up to, uh, 60 feet. I'm 55 feet away from Joan, and I'm going to cast obviously cast it on Joan, so you get eight points of HP back. Oh. You're welcome. And um, I'm gonna move my thirty feet towards it. Puts me twenty five feet away from it. Okay, Mikhail, you're up. Mikhail is gonna foot it in the direction that he saw Maliacalus cresting the cliff. Well, hill. Okay, so you're running. You're just uh, booking it. Just going off into the distance towards where Maliacalus went. Okay. Yeah. Weird flex, but okay. Uh, Sibo, you're up next. So I think that Sibo's still running towards the dragon, and he now sees Mikael running away from the dragon. So he is going to, he's going to take his, he's going to do a full dash, so he's moving 50 feet. Still doesn't think that puts me within range. 60 feet away. Right. Um, but as he's running and sees Mikael... He's going to yell out to him, Miko, where are you going? You're going the wrong way! Yeah, I don't notice him. Okay. 
Mikael! See, but hey. as your attention is diverted as you try to yell at Mikael, a goblin comes out of one of the gullies next to you and actually is going to try to charge at you and make an attack as you're not paying attention here. Uh, that's a nat 20. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he's gonna hit you for seven points of damage as he catches you unaware and slashes across your back with his scimitar. Next up is the dragon, who's actually going to, uh, continue past where Joan was to the wall. And he's actually gonna fly up. He's trying to get over the wall here. And just as he gets to about level with the wall, you realize that there is a figure standing on top of the wall. It is Dracaris. And he is holding two battle axes in his hands. And he roars directly into the face of this dragon. So what's Dracaris going to do here? Uh, Dracaris is going to attack with both of the battle axes. That's a 12 versus AC. And the second one is a 13 versus AC. I'm actually going to give you advantage on the attack rolls because this was a surprise attack. I forgot to mention that when I started, but go ahead and roll again for those. Well, that's significantly better. 23. Okay, yeah, that one does hit. And that one's a 17. Okay, so just the one is going to hit. Okay. 12 damage. Okay. For Dracaris, go ahead and do a, um, let's do a strength check here. I was going to say, he also engages rage. That will give me an advantage on strength checks. Okay. And the, um, that's actually a total of 14 damage on the, on the strike. Because he, I, I'm saying he was in rage as he crests. Ramparts and attacks the dragon. Okay, so you did an additional two damage then on the. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then go ahead and do your uh, strength check then. That's a sixteen. Um, so Dracaris leaps off of the wall and uh swings both of his axes at the head of the dragon. Uh, one of them connects and kind of sticks, and he is now hanging by the one axe off of the edge of the dragon's head as it flies next to the wall here. Uh, And he's just kind of hanging on for dear life. Joan is up next here. Joan is going to uh, try and make another attack on the dragon with a chromatic orb. Okay, go ahead. Oh, and he's casting it as a second level spell. Understood. That's a nat 20, boys. Yep, that's gonna do it. Double damage! So double damage, that means it is gonna be, and that's a second level spell, that's gonna be 8d8. Yeah! So that's 43 cold damage. You hit this dragon and he uh, just like gets blasted. He actually gets blasted forward and um, flies and hits the wall of the castle and is kind of laying halfway draped over the wall of the castle, trying to sort of claw his way up onto the top. Uh, Brunhilde, you're up here. Well, seeing as Joan's okay, she's gonna start running towards the dragon to get her last pound of flesh from it. 
sprinting, so we're going to go 50 feet. Okay. And that'll, I guess that'll be it. That's my whole action. Okay, Ramash, you're up. Ramash is going to use his action to move Moonbeam over the dragon. And this time it'll finally be over the dragon. So I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Won't it also be over Dracaris? Unfortunately, yes. That's a 10 for me, Buckaroos. Nope. 19. Well done. So Dracaris will take half of this damage. That's 15 points of radiant damage, and that would make it 7 for Dracaris. Okay. And then uh, Ramash is going to run up right underneath the dragon. Okay, I need another athletics check from Dracaris here. Okay. 19. As this beam hits both of you, you uh, you take some damage. However, you are able to free the axe from the side of the dragon and drop down into the wall as he uh, breathes his last gasp of air and slides off the edge of the wall and thuds to the ground below. Ah, oh, why is it so bright? It's a bit warm and tingly. I believe they called this a tanning beam. <laughs> Step into the light. You'll enjoy it. Okay, so uh, up the ridge now, we have Mikhail, who's been booking it towards Maliocalus's last uh, location. And uh, as you've crested the ridge, you see that there's a fairly large opening in the ground here that the goblins were coming out of. They're actually now retreating. There's a pretty solid wall of them that are backing their way in. Uh, Mikhail kind of freezes at the crest of the hill, realizing that he is alone in his pursuit. Turns back towards his companions, notices that the dragon has been taken down by his capable companions, and says, Hurry! Maliocalus is fleeing! We have only left the pursuit of this villain. Did he say something? He looks like he's yelling something, but I, I can't hear him. He's way too far away. Absolutely no clue. Sebo's the closest to him. No, he's he's a ways away at this point. Okay. Um, he looks pretty so, stressed out. So though. I'm more or less flailing my arms. And, <laughs> sure. <laughs> However, um, the one who does hear you is Michael, who's stri- who is uh, jogging towards you in his full battle armor. Mikhail, where are you going? Maliocalus, the one, the attacker, the assailant of the Temple of Bahamut. L- listen, listen, we need to regroup. He you- is getting away. He's already away. You can't just charge in there. We need to regroup. Kind of breaks through his, his concentration. It's almost like a veil has been lifted from his eyes, and he says, Yes, uh, is... Is everyone alive? It appears that everyone is alright. Vengeance will come. We need to fall back now. I, uh, yes, and gain strength for tomorrow. I do believe I am feeling a great deal tired. Michael kind of, uh, reaches out his hand and sort of, uh, places it on your shoulder, kind of giving you more of a physical, uh, intervention as he kind of spins you back towards the castle and gives you a little push that ways. 
Yeah, it's it's not resisted. He kind of just walks with it. Yeah, more 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 so just kind of like just now that your energy is gone, he's kind of giving you this direction like, you know, get back to the castle here. More like the fire of his foe being present has kind of gone from him. He he feels a weariness of lack of the adrenaline in the chase. Okay. See we'll kill this fucker that just hit him in the back. Oh yeah, there's a <laughs> goblin still next to him. Yeah, yes, actually, we're we're just about to get to that. So, Sibo, uh, as these goblins are uh, retreating, this one that just hit you in the back has seen that uh, his buddies are getting away and they're moving out from him. So it's just you and him left here on the battlefield. Tackerel, yeah. I, I mean, unless you want to try and make a new friend. Yeah, I mean, Sibo <laughs> gets hit in the back, instantly grabs his two daggers and turns around and spins with both his daggers going for the throat. So that's going to be a uh, 20. Yeah, that's going to do it. And a... Oh, wow, that's also a nat 20. Um, so a 26. Yeah. Oh, that's not great. He's a bit peeved at this guy. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so... Two, 10 damage. So Stevo turns and uh, comes at this goblin with just like a fury of daggers and just slicing and dicing back and forth cuts this goblin to ribbons and just leaves him uh laying on the battlefield here as you do so off in the distance you see something that's burning and rapidly approaching you you ready your daggers uh but then you see that uh there's no need for any kind of a fight here there is a uh, some sort of a wagon that's being pulled by four uh, large spiders that comes running past you, uh, and as it passes you, jumping out of the back of this flaming uh, contraption is Dracaris's three other companions who have been fighting elsewhere and apparently... Uh, Acquired a flaming transport somewhere. Uh, nice to see you giant guys. spiders as the frickin' That's yes. fucking metal. <laughs> Does Ramash see this at all? I mean, you would kind of see it off in the distance, but they come up kind of like right next to Sibo. Yeah, it's good to see it to the little guy. Uh, hey, don't ask where we got the spiders. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a little... Yeah, just don't worry about it. Are you well? I was actually wondering if I could have one. <laughs> No, yeah, sure. Uh, you you could definitely have one of those uh, uh spider things. Don't don't even worry about it. <laughs> it just it looks like it could be a you know a nice pet maybe. They're, no, for sure. they're fun. They're fun to ride. For Let sure, me for tell sure. You what we've been having some fun around here. So did you kill a fuck ton of goblins? Because I know we sure as oh. fuck did. Yeah, let me tell you what, Josh and me, they didn't stand a fucking chance. And he's uh, he was actually gonna you know go for a, a nice uh, bro shake. Dagger still in hand. Um, guy goes for it and then realizes that he still has his dagger and kind of like flips it back, hey. puts it in his pocket. Uh, see what you did. Hey. No, but you got it. No, but for real though, Lalalia, holy fuck, you should have seen her on the battlefield. She, holy shit, I'd be dead if it weren't for her. She was amazing, let me tell you. Yes, I would say my performance on the battlefield was adequate. Adequate? You fucking blew it out of the water. Please, please. <laughs> the praise is not mine, but only for the gods I serve. Sure, sure. No, yeah. She fucking killed it. Don't even, don't let her, don't let her speak that way to you. <laughs> I fucking believe it, mate. <laughs> no, but, 
But here's the real scoop. Thorin, he fell down like three times. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Says the guy who peed his pants when he saw the dragon flying. I did no such thing. I was carrying a glass of water and it fell. <laughs> the what's that smell? Yeah. It's the smell of battle. And Josh, man, I, I'm, I'm covered in blood, and I don't think I smell nearly as bad as you. Oh, you know what? Josh, it's, it's the green beans. I'll do it to you. Don't even, <laughs> don't you even worry about that. <laughs> yeah, the green beans. Right. From this this fight here, uh, across the board, actually all, because uh, I was totaling up here, all nine characters, so five, the five of the main and, and the other character, uh, everybody's going to get 6,000 HP. HP? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, everyone's going to get 6,000 XP from this. Oh my god, we're level fives, baby! <laughs> oh my god. The other ones are level yeah, four, are level four for another 66 XP. So you guys have all finished off this fight here. I'm assuming you're all kind of making your way back to the castle at this point. Yeah, and the Crack. two dragonborns are fighting over the dragon soul. Yeah, Josh oh, rides one of the yeah. spiders. That's, <laughs> oh, yeah, Sibo's definitely going to jump on one and, oh, you know, ride Ramash, back. Ramash would actually like... To, oh, you go first, Ray. I'd like to start carving some scales off the dragon. Okay, I was going to do uh, that. And maybe get some bone so I can maybe smith some stuff out of it. Mikhail is going for knuckles. Ramash is doing the, the same thing with the scales. He would like to actually attempt to get a smith to make him armor from the dragon hide. Okay. Sibo and uh, Josh and me are just riding back telling wartime stories. <laughs> Probably back. smoking a bowl. Doran's rolling his eyes the whole way. Yeah, as he's lagging behind, walking like a lame boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Dracarys is just tugging on one of the teeth. Not even thinking <laughs> to use any implement, he's just trying to pull it out. All right, so I guess that's where we'll uh, where we'll leave it. We've got uh, this whole horde of adventurers here, all carving up a dragon for their own personal uses, and uh, we'll see where this leaves us next time. <laughs>